Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. How to support tired people. How to support tired people. How to support tired people. Before we get first Samuel 30, I want to remind you of our journey. Um, even as we're now in the theme, We Care for Truth Fest, I want to use our previous sermon or series to pivot off of where we were to where we're going. In our previous sermon, which was a very tough sermon, I had to have established some tough things in that sermon series titled The Problem with the Church. Um, I told you before why I did not really enjoy uh, myself uh, the journey of the series, not that it wasn't God's word or uh, what God wanted me to do, because I rarely talk from the point of view of a title called The Problem. If anything, I will focus on the solutions that, of course, I did in my series, but the title itself kind of irked me and got under my skin. But the Lord told me to title that previous series, The Problem with the Church, because he told me there comes a time in all of our lives that he has to reprove us. And so he has to identify where we are not as strong, where we are weak, where we are fickle, where we are falling, where we are sitting, where we are not up to par. He has to bring us through what I call a spiritual audit so we'll know where we are and what we need to work on. And so God began to tell me that sometimes he has to reprove us, which means to prove us again. And so there are some tough things that I had to say within that message because God was being testy with us. And I don't know, some of us just feel like because we're beautiful and handsome, we are not to be tested. Some of us feel like because we are handsome and intelligent and have degrees and doctoral and very intelligent that we feel like we are not to be tested. But God is a testy God. He even tested his own begotten son who did no sin, who did no sin, Jesus, but he still was tested. He was tested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Sure did. Garden of Gethsemane was the place of being a means oil press. And I don't know who we think we are, but if Jesus was put under pressure, you're going to be put under pressure. <laughs> yes, sir. Jesus even led into the wilderness for 40 days. I like the first parts of that verse that talks about Jesus being led into the wilderness because the first part of that verse, it, do, it doesn't say that Jesus got to the wilderness on his own accord. It says, and the Spirit of the Lord was on upon him. He had just been baptized in the river of joy. And it says, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And the Spirit led him into the wilderness. So stop acting like all your tests and trials are driven by the devil. The devil was there when he got there, but God led him into the wilderness. I reminded of the verses that even tells us many are the afflictions of the righteous. So it ain't even the fact that we just get afflicted uh, secondarily. I want you to know God wants you to be afflicted. There are certain things God knows he can't better in you until you are put under pressure. 
So Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was put under pressure so he can show forth what was really in him. He went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, tempted up the devil so he can be reproved. So tell your neighbor, say, get over it. You're going to get tested. <laughs> You're going to get tested. You're going to get tested. And when you are tested, it helps you to focus on what you need to study. It helps you to focus on what you need to learn, what you need to guard. And we begin to talk about how life can get tough in this series. I want to remind you quickly as I pivot from this uh, previous series into this new part that there are times you have to make tough, say tough decisions. If you're going to make it all the way and be your best self and grow to the full stature of your ability, you're going to have to make tough decisions. The Bible uses a very strong illustration in Matthew 5, and I taught you about it. It said that if your hand offend thee, cut it off. It meaning if you can't get your hand to do right, if your hand keep touching things they ain't supposed to touch, if your hand keep doing things they ain't supposed to do, it says it's better to go to heaven with one hand than to keep this hand that won't act right and miss heaven. He said, if your eye offended, if you can't keep your eyes straight, if you just can't seem to discipline his eye and get that eye right, if you can't chastise it and discipline it and get right, if you can't do it and it won't act right and it just want to do what it want to do, it says that it's better for you to pluck out your eye than to miss heaven because you wanted two eyes. I'd rather go into heaven with one eye than two eyes and miss heaven. Yes. It's really a, a very strong metaphoric illustration that times in your life you got to make tough and critical decisions. Amen. It means that you got to be a type of person that if something is going to be connected to you and toxic for you, you got to be willing to cut it off. I said if something's going to be connected to you, and toxic for you because again if this hand gets poisoned and I keep it attached to my hand my body and it never heals it never recovers it never does right that hand that's toxic is going to send signals to the rest of my body and it's going to send toxicity to the rest of my body and I only was about to lose a hand but now I'm gonna lose everything because I would not cut off the thing that was dying critical decisions that's what it tells us about critical decisions John 15 even helps us about these critical decisions because Jesus says I am the true vine my father is the husbandman every branch of me that beareth not fruit he taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit so God and even in his nature so you can grow he's gonna cut back some things all right, and so what he tells us, if you're not afraid to grow, let go some things. If you're really not afraid of your next level, I dare you to let go some things. Because God said, even the way I give you more is by cutting you back. And so he teaches us these critical decision-making skills we must have in order to grow. But I want you to know another verse down also says, but if you abide in me, same chapter, John 15, and I in you, uh, a branch cannot bear forth fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I want you to hear the clear thing I'm trying to make a delineation about. I want you to understand he will cut off some things, but he's not cutting off everything. 
The reason I'm using this illustration between cutting off and holding on to, because some of us have to learn in life that everything is not going to be cut off. You can't cut off everybody because you're mad. You can't cut off everything because you don't have skills of relationship. You can't cut off everything because you don't know how to deal with conflict. You can't just cut off because you're being tested and challenged and because you don't want to deal with certain situations, you cut things off. No, there are some skills you're going to have to learn because everything is not going to be cut off. There are things in your life you're going to have to learn to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> to learn how to deal with. And I want to use 1 Samuel 30 and that topic, how to support tired people, to give you some skill set, some strength on how to deal with tired people. I'm reading from the New Living, um, uh, New Living Translation, verse 1. It says, three days later, when David and his men arrived home from their town of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into Negevi. And Ziglag, they had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. This is where David and his men were staying. The Amalekites found where they were and crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. Tell somebody, the devil wants your stuff. Yeah, we know he come to kill, steal, and destroy, but some stuff he just won't. <laughs> he took all the women and children, but he didn't kill anyone. When David, and his in, when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam and Jezreel, and Abigail, uh, from Jezreel, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. And David was now in great danger. Everybody say great danger. Because all his men were bitter, bitter, bitter about losing their sons and their daughters. And they began to talk to talk of stoning him. This is a very dangerous uh, circumstance that David is in. But it says, but David found strength in the Lord, his God. I want to stop for a minute before I get to the rest of the verses and kind of preface what's happening here. Um, I'm wondering how did David get into this situation? We clearly see that David got raided at Ziglag. They've taken all the wives, his children, and everyone in the camp. They've taken all their stuff, and David comes back, and everybody's sad and depressed and distressed. And after they finished crying together, it said David cried along with his men. But after they finished crying together, they looked around and said, well, who got us in this situation? Who's our leader and who got us in this situation? And they began to be so upset. If he said it was a danger zone because the people who are now with him has turned against him and they're bitter and they want to stone him and kill him. I asked myself, how did David get into this situation? If you know the previous uh, points before this, David had a flow going in his life. He had some momentum. I want to remind you that David's life drastically changed on the day that his daddy said, uh, go take some lunch to your brothers who's on, uh, on the battlefield fighting Goliath. Go there, take them some lunch. And while David went to take them some lunch, he sees that his brothers and all of Israel is afraid of a giant called Goliath. 
while he's there just on a routine errand obeying his father walked away from keeping sheep he gets on the scene everybody's afraid but he says no I'm not going back to keep sheep until I take care of the enemy that's tormenting the, the kingdom of God and the people of God and he defeats Goliath with a slingshot and one rock that that major flow of his life brings him into uh, the camp of King Saul he's recommended to play for King Saul King Saul is being tormented by evil spirits and God uses David to minister to King Saul he's also learning how to be king because Saul is the king and he's in an apprenticeship to learn how to be king David is in a flow David is in his momentum David has his grind together everything is flowing he's come he's come out of the shadows of keeping sheep and now people know who he is nobody knew his name before that he was just somebody in the woods keeping sheep but now he's on the scene he's known as a warrior he has integrity he has appeal people recognize him as somebody how does this happen to somebody with all this going for them I want you to understand that even in Samuel 18, it talks about that when they came from war and fighting all these wars, they, the women start singing a song. The women would sing a song. They would sing a song that, 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 that Saul slayed his hundreds and his thousands, but David slaying his ten thousands. So David would go to war and he would have double the results of the king. The women were so flattered they came up with songs. They brought instruments and they would sing in the song. In the song, you got to hear what I'm saying. In the song, they would say David has slain, uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his ten thousands. In the song. While Saul is still king. So I was like, hey, you ain't putting no song together that's talking about I'm only slaying thousands and David is slaying 10,000. I'm still the king. And because of this, it made Saul so angry that, that, that Saul began to aggravate David from that day forth. And from that day forth, verse, one of the verses I read in 1 Samuel 18 and verse 9, it said Saul eyed David from that day forward. So I'm keeping my eye on you. Because I can imagine Saul's mind is like, um, I don't want to let you fight in my, my, my army. I don't want to let you have victory. I'm the one teaching you how to be an apprenticeship. And, and now you're getting the big head. And it ain't that David was getting the big head. Uh, it, it's hard. It's hard to keep people quiet when you're winning. It's hard to keep the crowd attached to the old when something new and fresh comes. It's, it's hard. Let me tell you something about people. When people see results, they jump on results. And, and it's hard to keep people quiet. And David can't keep the people quiet. David is in a flow. David is in the momentum, but Saul's not happy about it. As a result of it, Saul, David is running for his life. David is running for his life. David is running for his life because he's wondering, will sooner or later my luck run out? Will sooner or later will Saul catch up to me? Saul is trying to kill him. Saul is sending men after him. David is running for his life. This is how David gets to Ziglag. He's running for his life. I want you to understand how even David got into this situation. You would say, how did this happen to David? Everything was going well for him. But I want you to understand that sometimes David represents people who lose faith because they're using faith David represents a, pe a person who's losing faith because he's using faith 
he's losing faith because he's using faith and he's using up his faith so much that now he can't see how he's going to be king how God prophesied to him that he was the next king but now somebody's trying to kill him sabotage his life and he don't understand how he's going to get to where he got to get to with Saul chasing him I want you to understand that some people who we see going through trouble right now were once strong two years ago was once had full faith years ago but things have happened in their life since that time and they are losing faith because they are using faith I'm trying to let you know how David has got into this situation is because he is tired he is tired of running and tired of hiding he is tired he is tired day in and day out he has to watch his back from somebody who doesn't like him now I know some of y'all celebrate haters and we seem to walk around every day talking about my haters putting it on your timeline putting it on your social media but let me tell you something for real if you got some real haters who's chasing you following you always on your trail you don't got time for that you don't even got time you don't have time to be watching on who don't like you be honest be honest that's a distraction to what I'm trying to do see everybody talk about haters like you trying to gather haters you don't want no haters jealousy is as cruel ask the grave the truth of the matter is I don't want no haters I know you can't stop the blessing on my life <laughs> but I want no haters y'all ain't saying nothing what I'm talking about David is tired of dealing with all this stuff with King Saul he's tired he's actually trying to find a refuge but he picks wrong places when he's tired that's how he ends up at Ziglag Ziglag is an open plain, has no fortification, has nothing that you really take a camp of people to fight the enemy. As a matter of fact, Ziglag put him at a disadvantage. But when you lose faith, you start catering to disadvantages. David start catering to disadvantages. I want you to understand what's happening in the life of David. He's losing faith. And now that he's losing faith, he has to figure out what to do next. Because sometimes when you recognize that some of the things you're facing, y'all gonna have to hear me today, some of the things you're facing, sometime you had a lot to do with it. All right. Some of the things you're going through, sometime you had a lot to do with it. Now, I know we would just like to point to David's haters, but David also made some wrong decisions. And sometimes good people y'all don't want to help me teach today good people make wrong decisions when they're under pressure and don't tell me about you make good decisions all the time get under the right pressure your hearing to get blurred your vision your hearing to get dull your vision you ain't never been through nothing but if you ever get under real pressure good people make bad decisions under real pressure so David got to deal with partly what he opened up and the enemy came in. He has to deal with it and now David is about to overcome what I call self-sabotage. How he participated in part of the struggle he going through. How do we talk to somebody who's tired but now uh, is now has to figure out how to overcome what they participated in? I want you to understand, I got to get through here today, that David first has to rebuke self-pity. He has to rebuke that he made mistakes. Now, some of us can never admit to anybody else, let alone ourselves, but to tell somebody, I've made some mistakes. 
David gets over the fact that he has something to do with the raid at Ziglag and something to do with opening up the door where the enemy came in. He gets over that and David decides that he is still worth something for the future. It says that there in that verse it said, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. I'm telling you the only way you can pick yourself out out of even self-afflicted wounds is that you got to still say God's investment is in me. God still wants me. I'm approved by God. God's still working on me. God's still making me better until you learn to start encouraging yourself. I'm telling you until you learn to start building up yourself. David encourages himself and that's how he overcomes self-sabotage. That's how he rebukes self pity you know people think self-pity is a winner self-pity is not a winner misery loves company I don't care what situation you in if you start repeating the sadness of it all day you're gonna attract sad people and you may think it's comforting you may think it's comforting at first when you're talking about how your situation is and how pitiful it is and I know some of you've been through some tough things some people rejected you some people betrayed you some people left you some people hurt you some people called you out your name but if you don't careful you will start attracting people who nurse your pain and keep you in pain and at first it'll feel good it'll feel like comfort but you'll open your eyes and five years later you will still be in pain you'll open your eyes and ten years later you'll make no progress you got to bring yourself out of self-pity you got to say it happens to the best of us it happens to the greatest of us and it happened to me but guess what I'm gonna encourage yeah, myself. I dare you to clap your hand for your own self this morning. I didn't see myself getting into this situation. I didn't see myself going this slow. I didn't see myself going to prison. I didn't see myself getting in trouble. But it happened. But you know what? I'm not gonna beat up myself another day. And when the day you start, stop beating up yourself and start encouraging. Tell somebody you better encourage yourself. I gotta talk. I'm still getting to the points of how to support tired people. Because uh, David was tired, but David, I got that. I'm gonna keep preaching this principle here. David, David, David says, David says, when I don't, y'all gotta, y'all gotta help me today. David says, when I don't have anybody else, do I have myself? When I don't got best friends around, mama not calling me, daddy not calling me. I can't seem to find a good friend. But all right, all right. But the real question is, do you have yourself? The real question is, if the only person you had left was you, could you win with you? David said, my people are mad with me. Y'all ain't saying nothing. My people are upset with me. And yes, I got a hand in what happened. But guess what? I believe the God that brought me this far can carry me. Somebody say the God that brought me this far can carry me the rest of the way. Clap your hands and encourage. This is my anointing for this season. This is my anointing, y'all. <laughs> encourage yourself. You want to know how to overcome self-condemnation? Say, God kept me alive, and I don't believe he kept me alive to torment me. I made some mistakes, but I believe God's mercy going to get me to where I got to go. I made some wrong turns, but I believe God didn't wake me up to torment me or to kill me. He told me to live and not die. 
And if God had enough nerve to wake me up, I'm going to move on and live. Tell somebody I'm about to go ahead and live. You can be mad about what I did. God will heal you too. But I'm about to go home and live. All right. David encourages himself. How to support tired people. Tired people got to learn to encourage yourself. Sometimes you got to learn to encourage yourself. Let me tell you something. If you're going to be who God's called you to be, you also have to contend for the grace and gifts on your life. Life is not going to always be easy. So tired people have to encourage you. You're going to have to learn to fight sometime. And you got to contend for your greatness. No, you got to put up a fight to be great. You can't lay down and die. You got to put up a fight when things are not going right. You got to put up a fight when you're not acting your best self. Some of y'all get into circumstances and just lay down. You better fight to get out of that situation. You got to contend for your greatness. Greatness not just going to come to you one morning. You're going to have to work for this. You got to contend to be your best self. You ain't gonna always feel good. And if you always listening to your own self, sometimes you gotta ignore yourself. Especially when you ain't talking good and talking right. See, some of y'all listen, some of y'all take yourself, y'all just listen to everything you say. Sometimes you gotta tell yourself, be quiet. Some of y'all don't even know when you're talking crazy to yourself. That's one of the most dangerous times. You don't even recognize when you're talking crazy. I'm like, Joe, be quiet. What's wrong with you? You are not doing that. You are not saying that. You are not behaving that way. And you got to know how sometimes to talk yourself out of destruction. Talk yourself out of going off the cliff. I believe. I understand. But I'm trying to say, if you got still something within you, you got to know how to talk yourself off that thing. Now, I ain't doing it. See, nobody won't say that now. And we got to say that. We got to encourage people. I know what month it is. I know it's mental illness. I know we're dealing with folks with real issues. And we they need support. They need tenderness. They need care. But they also need somebody to say you're better than this. You're going to be okay. You're gonna, we're going to love you through this. You got some low points, but we, you're still worth it. That's what you say. You don't just sit around and not say nothing. You got to talk to somebody when they're at their lows. You got to talk to them when they're about to jump off the cliff you got to talk to them when they don't feel like they're good you gotta say something can't just sit there and be quiet and just be like this is what you dealing with no you gotta say you dealing with it but you overcoming it tomorrow's gonna be better come on we believe God is with you and if you don't know scripture quote a song trouble don't last always if you don't know scripture you better learn a good cliche and learn how to encourage people when they're going through tell somebody how to help tired people uh, I got a few more points. I got to go. We got to contend for our greatness. David gets up and he encourages himself. Verse 7, follow me. Then he said to Abathar the priest, verse 7, bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it to him, ephod, the garment for the priest to pray. David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? They raided me. Should I chase them? Will I catch them? You know, I love this stuff. I love this stuff. I just love it. Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? 
He says, God, I want my stuff back. But will I get it back chasing them? Is that the way I get it back? Is the way to get my stuff back chasing them? I need to know how I handle this situation. Some of us are just interested in chasing everything. I like David here. David says, I want your approval on this. I don't just want to be chasing stuff and fighting stuff. I want to ask you first, can I chase after this? And I like the question. He says, and if, if I catch them who got my stuff, will I overtake them? I know some of y'all just like to fight. I know it. But I'm a little different in this age. When I was young, growing up in the hood, pray for me. I just, I just love to fight. But now, 47, going, getting closer to 50, got a few great strands finally trying to pop up. I'm, I don't have time to just be fighting. If I fight, I want to win. Oh, yeah. If I fight, I'm, see, I'm different now. See, when I was young and just careless and reckless, you know, I would fight anything, you know, you know. And my trophy for fighting was a busted lip and a, and a big eye, a black eye. And all I could say is I fought. But I'm no longer interested in fighting and losing. I want to know that if I fight this thing, will you be with me? I want to know, do I have partnership? I want to know that if I make a step to go get my stuff back, will I be alone or will you join in with me? I want to know, is there a prophetic word for my future? I know the devil took some stuff, but what do you have to say about what the devil took? Oh, you hear me? I want to know, do I got partnership in this fight? David said, I don't want to just go fight. If I chase them, will you, will I catch them? In other words, what God is trying to say, David is trying to say to God, is God, I need a reset right now. I need to reset me. I want my stuff back. I want my flow back, my momentum. I done lost the edge on my life. I've done lost the fruitfulness. I know who I really am. I know what I'm supposed to be flowing in. God, I need you to reset me back to that type of momentum where I got fruit happening in my life. Reset me, God. He said, God says back to him through this prayer, the Lord told him, yes, go after them. <laughs> oh, yeah. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. I'm telling you, he says, look, 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 I want you to know I'm with you. Tell somebody God's with you. Yeah, yeah, God's with you now. God's with you now. This is very important to understand even just the basic fabrics of how to talk to tired people. Let me show you some other points and we'll close and we'll pray right here. Verse 9. So David and 600 men set out and they, became, they came to the brook of Besor. 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. Here it is. It's my point that I'm showing you. So David continued to pursue the pursuit with 400 men. I told you before that sometimes you're going to have to learn some skills on how to navigate tough situations. Because everything in your life, you can't cut off. David has 600 men. God has told him to go get his stuff. And when they get to the brook of Basor, they're going to get their stuff. He finds out that 200 of the 600 are too exhausted to cross the brook. People who are too exhausted. How do you support people who are too exhausted? I want you to understand everything I've mentioned before is a catalyst for everything I'm going to teach you right now. I'm teaching you how God restored David when he was tired. 
I was teaching you individual, individual precepts and principles of how to work with yourself when you're tired. Because if you treat yourself well when you're tired, now you have principles to treat other people well when they're tired. I'm going to show you some principles next, but I had to first talk about how to handle yourself. Because there's no way you're going to keep what God has designed to bless you with if you don't know how to handle yourself when you're tired. Because if you don't handle yourself when you're tired, you'll mismanage everything else God has given you. And rather recognizing how to be skillful and deal with other people and things when they're tired, you will think that all because they're tired, you ought to cut them off. And some of us have cut off some people that you just should have put on delay. You should have put them on pause. You should have put them on reset. You should be encouraging them. There are some people you cut off that you got to go find because you cut them off because you were just mad about the wrong thing. I believe if they're toxic, cut them off. But no, 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 no. There are times people are just tired. And you got to know the difference between being toxic and being tired. Sometimes good people are just tired. David recognized it, help me God, that I got 600 men. They are all warriors. They are all qualified to be in this camp. But I find out while I'm moving towards to get our stuff that 200 of my 600 are tired and too exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued the pursuit with 400 men. I want you to understand what David does here is strategic. There are several things that we need to understand. Number one is that strong people get tired. Can we remove the facade that I'm going to be strong every day? Can we remove that? Can we just remove that for a second? These people are warriors. Have they not become warriors because they are tired? Have they not still have the skill, the education, and training because they're tired? Can we move the facade and some of us need to stop faking like we're strong every day? Maybe you will get additional support if you stop acting like you're strong every day. See, don't get mad at me. I thought you were strong. I came to you and asked you how you were doing. And you went and gave me the saints cliche. I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. What you expect me to think when you don't told me you blessed and highly favored? You expect me? To, I know you expect me to say, mm, liar, liar. <laughs> Yeah, you weren't expecting that. No, no, you expected me to believe what you said. So sometimes when somebody asks you, how you doing? How about sometime telling you today is a tough day. Today I need a little more prayer. Today I need you to uphold me. Today I got some things on my heart. How about that we can recognize that strong people get tired. We got to remove the facade from, from that. Why? Because it'll make strong people perform when they're tired and David comes to these people and I thank God for a relationship between David and his men that they can be honest when they're tired. See when people are afraid of not being able to perform because they're tired and you are and if you are a fickle person if you get rid of things because it's tired, if you just throw people to the side like they're not going to be good for tomorrow because they're, because they're tired, people have the sentency to perform and they'll keep performing, not telling you what's going on. Why? Because they know you are short-tempered and you get rid of anything that doesn't look right. You get rid of anything that doesn't look perfect. You look like anything that don't meet up to this standard every day. But if you start being honest with yourself, strong people 
get tired. These men are able to exemplify and express weakness and tiredness to David. And David is able to say, well, part of our strategy is it's not good for us to take you to where we're going. But I see it as a measure of love. It's not a measure of betrayal or rejection because you're tired. We can't take you into battle. We can't take you into this battle because you're tired. But we're going to do something strategic right now. We're going to leave you at the brook of Basor. The brook of Basor means gospel, good tidings, and the place of cheer. It means we're going to leave you by the refreshing springs of the word of God. We're going to get you back to the place where you've always been. The best thing we can do right now is not take you with us. Sometimes we feel guilty when we have to strategically leave people behind. But David says, no, no, no. It's a good, clear conscience for victory to leave the tired people behind, but we're not just leaving you behind unattended. We put you at the brook. We put you in a place of therapy. We put you in a place where you can get counseling, get your strength back, and get yourself back. Isn't it good when somebody recognize you tired and say, I'm going to give you what you need to get you yourself back because you've been giving yourself to me on the last battle. I saw what you did. Sometimes people need to be reminded of how good they were to you yesterday. They may not be doing good today, but sometimes you have to cheer them up to let no, no, you're going to stay here today. But in that last battle, oh yeah, you helped me fight that thing. Sometimes people need to be reminded of how good they were yesterday. They're not good right now. They're tired right now. But it's up you to use wisdom on how to help tired people. God help me. Oh, goodness. How to help tired people. He said, I'm going to put you in a place where you get yourself back. And we're going to go with these 400 men who are ready. And we're going to go get our stuff back. Y'all with me? Then David returned to the brook. I'm skipping some verses. I went from verse 9, 10 to 21. In between that, they go and they get their stuff. All right? They go get their stuff. I'll skip that for another message. I'll be back to that <laughs> next week. But this week, I want to stay focused on the 600, 200. David returned from the brook. They got their stuff. They returned from the brook, returned to the brook of Basor, and met up with the 200 men who had been left behind because they were too exhausted to go with them. David says, in other words, number one, I'm coming back for my tired people. Tell somebody we're coming back for you. Tell we're coming back. Well, you're tired, but we didn't leave you. We're coming back for you. We come back for them and then went out to, then went out to meet David. They went out to meet David and his men. And David, listen to the scripture. The scripture is preaching. David greeted them joyfully. So imagine the mindset of the tired ones who was left at the brook getting restored. They know they are family of the 600. They are family. They have creeds and cultures and things that bond them together, just like an army group or a cohort would do. And so I can imagine that they're hoping that their camp has and their warriors are faring well inside the, the battle they're going to. So when he comes back to them, he greets them joyfully. In other words, I know while we was away, the enemy was trying to torment you that you wasn't important. 
I wonder in your mind, did you think I was going to leave you like everybody else left you? And not come back for you. But after the battle, here comes David and he greets them joyfully. Tired people need to be greeted joyfully. They don't need to be treated like they're some type of villain because they got tired. They don't need to be treated like they don't have something of worth but they got because they got tired. He comes back to the camp and he deals with the psychological aspects of what was happening while they were apart. What they were imagining in their minds. He answers them by saying, by coming to them joyfully. I'm glad to see you. But, verse 22, some evil troublemakers. I'm about through. My chicken is on the crock pot. I got to go. I'm about through. He greets them joyfully. You see that? Verse 22, but some evil troublemakers. Among David's men said, they didn't go with us. Where were they when we were swinging the sword and fighting? Where were they when we did all this work? Let me tell y'all something about this is where churches mess up all the time. Talk about it. Where the people who showed up to do the work, when everybody else come and enjoy the benefits of the work, they act like those people who ain't still part of the work. They look at where were you where we was painting the church? Where were you? Where were you? This is where we have to use very skill and strategy on how to keep unity in times where sometimes people are tired. The reason they didn't come because they was tired. Maybe if they wasn't fighting with some of the illnesses in their body, they would have loved to show up. Maybe God graced you with good health so you can show up. But if, trust me, they would have loved to trade places with you. They, they wish they had things much better. They wish they weren't going through what they were going through. So sometimes we got to be careful in those moments when God uses up to sh- us to show up on behalf of the group. We got to be careful because you don't know sometimes what your brother and sister are dealing with. And they wish they had the level or strength you had. They wish they didn't have all the medicines they had to take. They wish they didn't have this medicine that makes them drowsy and sleepy and when they get up, they done been late for work and they battle in life. They wish they can just, y'all, y'all don't see what I'm saying. Sometimes we miss this. They were troublemakers, David said. Because they destroying unity. They didn't go with us. So they cannot have any of the plunder, the spoil. We recover. Give them and their wives and children and tell them to be gone. Troublemakers. Be gone. Sometimes I want to warn you, watch yourself. When you're in your strength, watch yourself. When you're in your zone, watch yourself. When you're feeling good about who you are and what you accomplished, watch yourself. Watch yourself. They are telling these people, give them what they lost. Let them get their wives and their children. They're not getting the extra stuff that we done got through the war. Let them get their stuff and tell them to be gone. Mean and nasty. But David said, no, no, my, 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 my brothers. My brothers. In the sense that he's trying to tell them, we family. 
See, in families, sometimes we take up for the tired people. And in family, a real family, and one of the things that I really just disturbs me is when families are going through tough times and they can't focus on the tough times because somebody keeping up foolishness. The issue is not you. The issue is the person we're trying to take care of. We're trying to take care of mom or dad or auntie or grandma because some things are going on and it's sad when families can't get over all these other issues and focus on the thing at hand. Y'all ain't know what I'm talking about. It's the person who's ill or sick and who we need to be caring for. And rather than focusing on them, we're fighting with each other. Yeah. Oh, I might as well go on and say it since I got the mic. The worst thing I hate sometimes is to participate in a funeral service and the family can't come together. It just irks me to no end that we fussing and fighting over all types of things. We're trying to we're trying to handle this thing as diplomatic as possible. Handle this thing with pride and legacy. And here are people fussing and fighting and arguing, and we can't even come up and show up and be family doing the work times of our lives just irks me when people can't be their best self at the time when we need it most and people start focusing on themselves I got to tell you today while I'm here when many times you're going through crisis and people are going through tough times I'm going to say it because you need to hear it today it ain't all about you you are part of it I ain't mad at nobody but it ain't all about you I ain't mad at nobody you know, sometimes when I start preaching like that, people are like, well, Pastor Joe talking about somebody today. I told y'all he was going to deal with that situation. I'm just preaching, folks. I ain't dealing with no specific situation. He said, we are brothers. We're family. Listen to the word that he says. This is what you have to do to help tired people. You have to protect tired people from selfish people. Selfish people can, can, can rob and discourage tired people like no other. Selfish people who think everything's about them, think the moment is always about them. Every situation, if it's about somebody else, they switch it to themselves. I mean, oh my God, they switch it. How this conversation started all about you. I thought we were talking about me. And we were just taking a two minutes to talk about me. How did the rest of this conversation happen? How do we get here? Selfishness. You got to protect tired people from selfish people. He says, don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. Don't you be selfish. Don't be selfish. You got to protect them from selfish and mean people. Listen to what he says. He said, the Lord has kept us safe and helped us defeat. Don't treat your brothers like that. Don't treat your people because it's the Lord who's working with us and kept us safe and helped us defeat the band of raiders and that attacked us. And here it is. Who will listen when you talk like this? We share and share alike. Y'all see that? I mean, verse, what verse is 24. Those who go to battle and those who guard the equipment. He says, you looked at the people who were tired and decided they didn't have any role. But the people who were tired was keeping what you had left. 
they held on to the last bit of equipment that you had left and guarded whatever we had left while the other people went and got our stuff back and what the enemy had he said so stop discounting that tired people don't still have strength <laughs> I want you to understand what David does, my final point, how to help tired people, we have to protect our witness. Protect our witness. He says, who will listen when you talk like this? What it's trying to say, the Bible tells us that those who are strong ought to bear the infirmities of those who are weak. That's what the Bible says. What it's trying to say to us is our witness as believers is that that's the exact thing we do. We step in when people are weak and when people are tired. We help push them through. We help remind them of who their purpose is and what they're called to do. Why? Because that's what Christ did for us. Yeah. It tells us that we remember uh, our weakness when we see other people's weakness. And he says, who's going to listen when you talk like this? Meaning, how in the world is the world going to respect the church when we treat our wounded so bad? How is the world going to respect the church and how we talk about our very own so bad? I'm going to tell y'all something. You ain't going to never see it. I don't do it. You ain't going to never see me going public talking about somebody's faults. You're not going to see me do it. When you have to handle people's faults and situations, you handle them privately as much as possible. If you have to rebuke somebody openly for the sake of everybody, you handle that gracefully. But I don't got time. I was just amazed. I'm still amazed how everybody just think their social media platform is to talk about other people's weaknesses. I just don't get it. I'm still trying to understand this thing. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, 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 I don't understand how we can just counsel somebody else about how their life can get better if they do this and do that. How how about you put your weaknesses out there and then tell everybody all your struggles and how you that's gonna be a good thing I mean I'm just amazed about how we treat other people when they're down and they're going through and all these kind of things and we don't even put ourselves on the witness stand or nothing I just, I'm amazed by this he says we need to protect our witness and I'm telling you as people of God with the way we treat each other when other other people are down when other people are going through it's a test of our weakness our witness and he said we must protect our witness that's how you support tired people we hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from truth gatherers dream center church pastor joseph davis and the congregation invite you to join them you can find more information by following them on social media just look up truth gatherers dream center church And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him.